to Hashgacha Ha'ishis, thanks, Gil, which is personal Hashgacha, personal Hashgacha. So again, page 55 in the handout. If you, if you didn't get one, then they're right next to Sarah on the back table there. We have already stated earlier that the matter of avoda, avodas Hashem, which has been given over to man, is dependent on that in the world Hashem had created things which are good and things which are bad. Those are entire realms, you know, of reality, Tov and Ra. Vahusam ho'odam benehem. And the, pardon me, the human being was placed in the midst of them. Livchorlo es ha'tov. To choose good. So it's restating in a very concise way our basic mission here. Vahulam prate inyoni ha'tov rabim the details, the specifics of all matters of good and possible good are great. And also all these specific details of Ra are very great and abundant. Because any possible Mida Tova is within the realm of Tov. And of course there are thousands of Nuances there. And on the contrary, any bad trade, any possible midara is within the realm of Ra. So for example, Hageus, uh, arrogance, haughtiness, Echad Me'inyani Hara, we would consider that in the realm of Ra. Whereas humility would be in the realm of Tov. Harachmanus me'inyane ha'tov, compassion would be in the realm of good. V'hafcha ho'achzorius, and the opposite, cruelty, would be in the realm of bad. Ha'histapkus v'hasimcha b'chalko, a person who is satisfied and happy with their lot. Me'inyane ha'tov, that is good. And the opposite, a person who's always uh, not content, always looking for things that are not good, things that are not according to the way they want them to be, dissatisfied, that's in the realm of Ra. And of course, all other various details of all the Midos we could possibly mention. So Hashem, in His infinite wisdom, He measured all of the possible types and details of mitos, of mitos which could be found here, that are fitting to be found and to exist in our world. And that the possibility for them is present amongst you or in the midst of human nature. Mm-hmm. With the ultimate goal of that which we mentioned earlier, 
which is to say to try and attain and absorb and integrate all the Midos Tovos and to exclude and overcome all the Midos Ra'os. That's what, we, what we're striving to do. We're on page 55 in the middle of the first paragraph. And Hashem brought forth all of these things in all of their dimensions, their causes, and their consequences, and all things that accompany them. And He fixed this possibility in man. So just for example... Let's talk, let's talk about the trait of rachamim that he mentioned before, compassionate, as opposed to achzorius, which is cruelty. So first of all, that has to be present in the world, that there would be many situations that we would come across in life that would call upon us to be compassionate. Someone doesn't have food, someone doesn't have parnosa, someone's not feeling well, or they're feeling sad. So all of the things in life that would possibly bring out compassion in us as, as people. Or, those very same situations could bring out achzorius. We could choose to, I'm not going to pay attention to that. that it's too bad, but it's not, not my business. Or, I don't even care. So, achzorius and rachamim, and all of the things that go into it. And then secondly, besides the fact that they're in the world, within the nature of a human being. He says, the, the fixed-in human nature, we are prone toward going one direction or the other, and that can take hold of the human personality. So think about a computer or, for a moment, or, or about a machine. Right? It could be a very complex machine, but compassion in a machine doesn't work. It's just a machine. But we're different than that. We have a certain makeup and a personality, spiritual, intellectual, physical. And therefore, all of these things can take hold and be a part of us. So God didn't make us machines. But sensitive, emotional, involved people. And the very fabric of our, of our makeup is subject to all of these possible mitos and in that way, each situation is there in the world and also inside of us. We can become something greater or worse, depending on how we respond. Please, Mrs. Fran. Um, am I just jumping the gun? Does he talk about like, like every good midah can be used to excess and bad midahs can be used for the good? You know. Yeah, Yeah, I think that he does get to that. But just in case not, of, of course that's... That's always the case. You could take a mita tova and overdo it, and it becomes a mita ra'a. And sometimes, so to speak, cruelty is a good mita. Cruelty in the sense that sometimes you have to say no. And it's not because you're trying to be cruel in any way, but that's what the situation calls for, is for a boundary. So it feels cruel, but in, in that circumstance, it's the right thing to do. It's a mita tova. Of course, that's where mitos get very complicated, how to use them properly, and when we're overdoing it or underdoing it. And those are all the pratim that the Ramchal is referring to, the, the shades of each mita, 
in the world and in us. So this world that we live in has everything like that available, and Hashem put it here in His infinite wisdom. In order for all of these situations for Midos to exist, it was necessary to put man in different situations in life. Each situation is in the Sayon for a specific Mida, as we all know. In that it's allowing place or possibility for all of these Bechinos of Ra to exist. And it allows room possibility for a person to strengthen himself or herself to overcome them, and to grab on to Midos Tovos. So here we go. This morning, after Shul, I went to the store. I'm on my way home. I, I run into a, a little traffic jam on Reisterstown Road. There's only one lane of traffic because of construction. Right? And I feel myself inside of me getting worked up, you know. <laughs> Like, oh, why did I go on this? I should have gone on Park Heights, and I'm starting to, you know, why did I do that? And I'm thinking to myself that it's probably total between where I needed to go and where I needed to get, probably five minutes maximum delay, maybe even less. You know, another, having to wait at a light twice on more than one occasion. And, of course, I'd rather have those five minutes and be soaring down the street yeah, at a safe speed, of course. And, but I didn't. So that's a small, a small situation in life, but I can feel myself getting involved already. Then I get to where I want to get to. I had to go to a certain store to pick something up. And, and the guy who was, uh, who was waiting on me, he was really slow. And he's going through his papers, like this. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this should just be taking 10 seconds. Why is it taking two minutes, you know? And we're so geared up about this time. And so I had to spend an extra two or three minutes in the store there because he was going through his papers slowly. So I felt like this is a challenge to my Midos. This is just a real challenge because I'm in a hurry and I got to get going and I got to get home and I got to teach. Got to eat breakfast, you know? And that's just on the small scale. So here we are, like the Ramchal says, every single situation in life challenges us in Midos. Some big, some small. And it's always there in front of us to try and overcome. Derech Moshal, now he gives an example. If there were not in the world wealthy people and poor people, I'm sorry, page 55 on the bottom, sorry. Then there would not be the possibility for human beings to be compassionate or cruel. So you have some people who have and some people who don't have, and God made that reality part of the world. God's world has anim and ashirim. He made it that way. And if we didn't have that, whether it's financial wealth, which he's talking about here, there are also other kinds of wealth that people have, things that we can share, resources, 
that we have and someone else doesn't have. Could be talent. If, the, if that wasn't part of our world, there'd be no nisayon for being compassionate or being cruel. So the one who has money, he's being tested too. He, he's being tested in his wealth. Is he going to become cruel or hard-hearted? To the poor person, who needs him. Or if he'll be compassionate. And the ani is also being tested by Hashem. Will he be satisfied with the small amount that he does have and give thanks to Hashem for that which he has? Or the opposite, will he, will he feel resentment? And here's another facet of the nisayon for a wealthy person. To see Will his heart grow haughty as a result of his wealth? Or perhaps he'll use his wealth to follow the vain, the vain pursuits, the futile pursuits of the physical world, because he can get whatever he wants. And through that, to forsake Avodas Hashem. So internally he could become haughty, externally he could become very involved with worldly pleasures. Ve'im im kol asho, or, on the other hand, with all of his wealth, yihiyya if he'll be humble. And also nichna means uh, bent, but it means um, of, of humble spirit. Umo'es olam. And he will learn to detest the vain pursuits of the world, which are open to him, but he chooses not to. Ubocher ba Torah avoda, and to choose Torah avoda, v'chein kol kayotze bazeh, and all other similar situations. There's one very specific mita the Ramchal brings out. We could think of hundreds, and the situations in reality allow for the person to respond in one way or another way based on their own very specific freedom of choice. So just a couple of examples. In terms of being mistapek b'muat, being satisfied with a small amount. So I read a story about the Shagas Arya. He was a very great, great person a couple hundred years ago. And um, he was very poor. And he and his wife had to often move from one city to the next. It's one of the Gedoli Hadur, one of the greatest men of his time. And they got to a certain town and he arrived there with his wife, and they literally had nothing, mamish nothing. They had to find a place to sleep. A person, kind-handed person, saw them and took them in, and he said, I, I have a loft, you know, outside in my barn, and there's hay up there, you can sleep up there. So they went up, and they're about to go to sleep in this loft. They have the clothes on their back. They have a little lamp up there and a place to sleep. And... The Rebetzin notices that her husband, the Shagasari, is, is smiling. So she says, why are you smiling? He says, I'm so grateful we have everything that we need. So he really meant that. Everything that we need. Another situation about humility in the midst of wealth. Moses Montfury was a very wealthy 
and great Baal Tzedakah in the later part of the 1800s and built some of the initial, initial communities in Eretz Yisrael outside of the old city, Yemin Moshe, and also the windmill there. He was very instrumental in founding real communities um, in Eretz Yisrael. He was, was an enormous Baal Tzedakah and a very well-connected person to royalty and government officials because he was so wealthy. Every night, I heard this on a tape from Rabbi Wine. He had in his house, in, in his basement, he had a coffin. And every night, before he went to sleep, he laid himself down in the coffin. And then he got up and went to sleep. Why? Because he felt he's in a position of so much power and wealth that he has to, on a daily basis, experience who he really is and the limitations and the frailty of every person. So he laid himself down in a coffin every single night before he went to sleep, just so he'd get a handle on who he really is, not who people think he is. A tremendous lesson, I think, in mitos and, and in humility. So here we are in the midst of our lives, challenged daily with mitos, with the objective of rising above the mitos ra'os, defeating them with God's help, and in integrating the mitos, mitos tovos. Julie, had a question there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Va'amna. Furthermore, chilcha ha'chachma ha'ayona, Hashem, in His divine wisdom, He divided all of these possible nisyonos in life, he divided them, amongst human beings. As he judged in the depth of his wisdom that which is worthy and fitting. I'm going to talk about that at the end of the paragraph. So therefore, every single individual has a very specific battle with the Yetzir Harat, which is uniquely tailored to them, and with Nisyanos. No human being has the same Nisyanos as another human being. It is that person's job and task it's their calling in this world. And he must stand up to those nisyanos according to who he is and his or her abilities. And in the end, our deeds will be judged by God. Very important line. According to the responsibility that God gave you not according to anybody else's abilities, only according to our own. So if a person really feels like, I did the best I can, maybe another person in the situation could have done better, maybe so, but I'm not them. And that's how God looks at it. Based on what he gave to that person and what that person can do, and nobody else's abilities are weighed into consideration except our own. We're not going to be responsible for something that we couldn't do. In all ways, with a very clear, um, exacting, and perfect nature, of course, as Hashem runs the world. See, so makes a mashal. It's like servants to a king. Each one has their own task. 
Right? So he, he has, the king has his staff, and this one is the economy, and this one is transportation, and this one is uh, defense. Then he has in his own palace, this one takes care of the garden, and this one takes care of the cleaning, etc. Everybody's got their tasks from big to small. And when you put all of those tasks together, you have the full spectrum of the avoda of the king. He gives each one a, a certain portion. Until that amongst all of them, all of the necessary facets of the service are complete. Every single one of them, it is upon them, their hashlama, to complete their portion, asher nimsar lo, that was given to them, and according to his job, based on his task, so the king will give him his reward, his due fare. So the king is not going to approach the gardener and say, how come he didn't take, of my, take care of my dinner tonight? It's not his job. He's not going to approach the secretary of transportation and say, why weren't you at the meeting for defense? It's not his job. When it comes to back from the mushal to what we're talking about, the way Hashem divides it up, the chiluk. He said, these are very lofty matters. They're above our comprehension. Why Hashem gives out this kind of life to this person and another kind of life to somebody else. We are not able to grasp this. It's incomprehensible. Only Hashem's wisdom which is above all intelligence, he she arasam, God measured it out, the he sidrasam, and he arranged it, in that manner which is the most complete for our world. So this is what I wanted to tell you about at the end of this paragraph. The Ramchal writes in a different sefer that when Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, Please, Hashem, let me know your ways. So the Ramchal says he was asking Hashem, Tzadik Viralo, Rosh Vitovlo, why righteous people suffer sometimes, why wicked people prosper. He was asking that. And he was asking as well, why do certain people have this kind of Nisayon and other people have that kind of Nisayon? This person is living in wealth, and in plenty, this person's living in dire poverty. Why? So Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I will be gracious to those who I choose. I will have compassion to those who I choose. He's saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't know this. You're not going to know why I gave this life to this person and this life to that person. No human being can understand that. The insight that we do have into it in general, not, in, not specifically, but the general insight is also from the Ramchal and the Das Tavunos. And he says, every person has a different Shorish Neshama. 
Each one of us, at the root of our neshama and its place in Shemaim is different. Nobody has the same kind of neshama. Each neshama needs a certain kind of life in order to reach its own shlemus. Only being who knows what kind of life brings the shlemus for that specific neshama is Ribbana Shalola. Hashem is the only being who understands why this person needs that challenge and why this person needs that challenge. Why he needs the challenge of wealth and why he needs the challenge of poverty. Why this person is doing great with their kids and this person is doing very poorly with their kids. Why he lost a job and why she, did, why she got her job. He got a promotion, he got fired. So who deals out the cards, so to speak? Hashem. Because he is the only one who knows what we need exactly in our lives. And we could go through our whole lives and never experience a single nisayun that somebody else did. Even though some of these are universal. We could, go, we, could, we could have that happen to us. And other people who you kind of identify with that they're experiencing very similar nisayunos as you are or we are, and you feel a sense of camaraderie and support, and you could talk to somebody else and they may not even know what you're talking about because they can't relate to it. So all of these nisyonos Hashem has given them to each and every one of us based on what we need. And that's according to the shorish of our own neshama. Yeah, Julie, please. I'm just going back to what you said before yeah. about um, getting our unique, you know, the Sahara and tests and everything. Right. And then it's according to our own ability for, for passing it so we yeah. can commit the right to the right circumstances. But how do you really know internally, you know, you really put no how can you really feel like you completely gave all your abilities to this thing? Because you can always feel like, you know, I did this much, but I really could have done more. I could have, you know, worked on this harder. I, you know, I, I was given more circumstances so that it could have helped me. And, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Very well. How can you feel like, you know, necessarily good about it if you don't really feel like, you know, you, you were really did all your ability towards working on that meta or that circumstance or, you know what I mean? Okay, I, I do, I do, yeah. Not just intellectually. <laughs> so there are two answers to this. One is that you can't know. We don't know. We'll never know. Did we put in enough effort or did we not put in enough effort? Have I, have I really given it my all or did I not? I look at myself... You know, square in the face, I can often not answer that question for myself. I don't know. I just try the best that I can. Did I give it my best? So one thing is living with that uncertainty, which we simply have to do as people and as adults. There is a level of uncertainty. We don't know. The other side of that is that we have to use our seichel. Like the Ramchal said in a different, a different place that Hashem granted seichel to a human being with which to conduct our affairs. He gave us the intelligence to do that. So if to look at our lives and say, okay, did I give my best to that situation? In my opinion, based on how I understand myself and my levels of energy and resources, I really feel like I did the best that I could. And I couldn't do more than that. And I think we have to then make that decision and then let ourselves go. Because right, we, we're not going to be able to go past that and really deeply say, is that really true? Is that really not true? We'll end up just torturing ourselves every day for not knowing the answer to this question. 
So those are the two sides. There's always a level of uncertainty. Okay, that's life. That's what it is to be a human being. And on the other hand, to be able to say, do I think I did my best? And if I did, then we got to allow ourselves to say, okay, it's in Hashem's hands now. I'm moving on. Time for me to try something else. You may get another chance to go back at it. You may look at it a week later and say, oh, there was something else that I could do. Okay, that's fine. But we can't constantly be troubled by this, I think. Otherwise, it just wears us down too much. And I think that's the nature of it. That's the nature of it. We're looking for a certain formula. Did I do it? And we want to know it. We want to know it 100%. I don't think that we're going to. We have to use our seichel to, to come to that conclusion the best that we can. Yeah, please, Mir. It was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Yeah, the Gemara that he was, he was on his deathbed. Sure, that's, that's really this story. For, I think that's why he was bringing it out. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is on his deathbed, the Gemara says, and the Talmudim come in to see him, and he's crying. So they said, Rabbi, why are you crying? So he gave two answers, and one of his answers is that there are two paths in front of me, one to Gan Eden, one to Gehenna. I don't know which one I'm going to go to. That's Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the Nasi of the Jewish people in the time of the Churban Bayasheni. The, the person who helped us get past the period of Churban Habayas and to allow Jewish life to continue. We still have his takanos. And Tzadi Kadur, he doesn't know Gan Eden or Gehenna. Everybody is judged according to their abilities, right? So, Sadiqimar Nidunin Kichuta Sa'ira. Like the breadth of a hair. And on, on that mimer, uh, Rabbi Tversky's Hatzalrup, which is where we learned it, you know, he asked the question, which is if Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai didn't know, then what about you know, everybody else? And how could he not know? Didn't he know that he was Osek Betorah of the Mitzvah Yom Malayla? Certainly he knew that about himself. But it comes down to this point did we, did we use our lives and the Torah according to the best of our abilities? to do good in this world? And I think that question truly, only the Rebona Shalom knows that, and perhaps that's what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was trying to say. And at the same time, we cannot allow ourselves to be tortured by that question because we just won't be able to do anything. We've got to have a certain level of confidence and trust that I did the best I can, and Hashem Zabal Rachamim, and I'm going to, Bezras Hashem, be okay. Yeah, please, Alka. Yeah. It's a hard question, but I think the answer is yes. It is the essence of our purpose here. And the gra, the gra, the gona vilna, 
writes in his Sefer, the Evan Shlema, that the purpose of life is to be metake in our midos. And then he says, and if we don't, lama lo chayim, why should we live? Right, so he says that straight, straight out, that every situation there is meant for us to have the tikkun hamidos. Now the thing is, in order to get to tikkun hamidos, that doesn't occur in a vacuum, and we need the Torah and the mitzvot and the maizim tovim and the Shabbos and the Yom Tov and the kashras and all the things that are maizim in our lives, we can't be, as Jews, being misake in our midos if we're not involved in Torah and mitzvot. That just turns into a different kind of discipline, you know, self-help discipline without Torah and mitzvot is not really possible. So the Torah, the mitzvot, the ma'asim tovim, those are the things that we do and those are crucial in our world. The deeper level of what we accomplish, Bezras Hashem, through the ma'asim tovim is what happens in the primiastika part of a person. So we have to light that Shabbos candle. And there's schar for that. And that mice is meant to be done in a certain way at a certain time. And without that, we're not doing anything. But at the same time, we have to go deeper than the action itself. We have to do the action. We have to. And we also have to go deeper than the action. And on the other side of that as well, I know we've mentioned this before. The Rambam says, and others as well, the Rambam says it in Hilchos Tshuva, that it's harder to do tshuva on midos than it is to, to do tshuva on maizen. Because with an action, you see the action, you see what you did, you say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore, and let's say you're zoha to stop doing it, so it's very concrete. We're doing this, now you're not doing that. But when it comes to midos, and it, we're talking now inside the person, and emotions and feelings and those kinds of things, that's not concrete anymore. And they're much deeper inside of us, much more deeply rooted than behavior, armidos. It's harder to get to. The pathway to it is through the mitzvot, but as I said before, it can't stop there. You have to keep going with the mitzvot to penetrate the deeper level of a person. Do you have one more question? Okay, please, yeah. Right, right. But we don't give our best in every situation. We would be, we couldn't live like that. You have to make choices and prioritize, and some things you're going to get a high priority where you're going to right. give your best, and some things you're only going to do, do a minimum. Right. Because, you know, so are you saying, let's say, like, not answer 120, but like, you know, next week, say, oh, I really should. And reevaluate. Right. Reevaluate. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you brought that out because it's ex- extremely important part of this discussion that it's true that part of being a bal seichel is saying this in this situation I give more and in this situation I give less and giving less is the right thing for me to do in this situation. So that is so to speak our best there. It's our best choice in that particular matzav, and that's part of this uh, hishtadlus and. We do have to be 
open to reevaluating and seeing if we have to redirect our energies, and it's all part of Tikkun Hamidos. Yeah, please, Rabbi Sanya. So I think, from what I was saying, I think sometimes we have, the way we're looking at that is I have to give 100% to everything, as opposed to I have 100%, and what gets 10%, what gets 20%, what gets 50%, and what gets 0%. And that's giving it your best. Right. It's taking the 100% that you have and applying it in the most effective way to improve yourself. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's another goal that we lose sight of because we're thinking of things outside of ourselves that have to get done and have to get fixed and even mitzvahs that have to be done as opposed to all that we're doing is in order to affect a change within ourselves. And that's the measure to be looking at, and we're very distracted by the outside measures to evaluate what our effort was. Right, right. And sometimes too distracted right, by the outside mm-hmm. measures, and we allow them to be the standards mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the more meaningful inner standards. Yeah. And I think, I, I, mm-hmm. I assume that accounts for a lot of the frustration. Right. Yeah. How do you mean? That. If you can't properly evaluate, if you're, if you're trying to evaluate your effort in a way that, that isn't the right way to evaluate it, then how could you not okay. be frustrated? Right, right. So the point mm-hmm. is that I don't know that we have a real way to properly evaluate our effort and its results. Yeah, and I think that's part of the, the difficulty in answering the question yeah. of are we giving it our all, should we give it our all? Um, very difficult. What are the means of, of our evaluation as well? And it could be that if we looked at it in one way, we'd see that I like what I see. And if we looked at it in another way, we might see differently. And then there's also a choice as to which one of those means of evaluation is the best one. So we can see, you know, how the area of Tikkun Hamidos is subtle, very subtle and, and perhaps more often than not, not completely clear. As, whereas maizam are clear. A maiza is clear. Did you do the mitzvah? Did you not do the mitzvah? Midos are not like that. It's a diff- different territory. Someone had a hand up. Yeah, Linda, please. Can you talk about um, Tikkun Hamidos at the end and the first person? I don't see it that way. I'm not sure if I'm wrong, but I think it's like the first Yes. Right. Well, let me let me state that which you said, Linda, because it's it's very important, right? Very important, and it has to be stated that when we say the goal is tikkun hamidos, what we mean to say is that the ultimate of importance is our relationship with Hashem, and that applies to everything that we do. If it's meisim, then it's mitzvos. If it's midos that the idea of tikkun hamidos is that as a result of that tikkun, we are in a, a stronger relationship with God, absolutely. And that's the idea, that's the perspective that we're looking at this, at this with, is that our midos and being in them is a very deep way of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's a, that's, that's a crucial point that you're, that you're making. Yes, Mira, please. Uh, yeah, there's people 
seem very... Yeah. And, and I'm talking about... And I'm wondering, Bob, like it, it's just... I'm wondering if that is considered a big lacking in that. And also, I'm wondering, non-Jews are certainly not affected by this at all, are they? No, not in the same way. But let me go back to your, your first question. Yeah. It's important to be mindful, to be conscious of the fact that we're working on a relationship with our Kaddish Baruch Hu, yeah. and that that's what our lives are about. And do, do some people dismiss that? Uh, at, at times we all do. Uh-huh. You know, at times we all just kind of go through the motions yeah. and we try and plug back in. Yeah, unfortunately, most of our people. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that's Hashem's cheshbon. Yeah. What happens with those people and what their responsibilities are in the world. We don't know that. That's, that's Hashem's and, and His infinite wisdom. And in terms of non-Jewish people, certainly there's the idea of leading an ethical life and a good life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Sheva Noach is part of, the major part of leading an ethical life. But the idea of tikkun hamidos in the sense that it's drawing close to the Shekhinah, that really is a Jewish concept. They're, they are responsible for ethical behavior. We are responsible for that, plus building that devekus to our Kaddish Baruch Okay, go a little weiter. Letter base. Vihine. Vihiyos. So now the Ramchal is going into the spiritual component here. Being that all matters in our world are transferred down to us, ne'atakim means transferred, from higher olamas, bihishtalshalus, chaining down from the higher levels of spiritual reality down to our world. From the way things exist in higher worlds, all the way down to their existence here in our physical world. As we learned earlier in this Sefer. So all of these things, which is to say the kind of life a person has and the nisyonos they have, the specific nature of the nisyonos of every person, shalha adam, kamosha zacharnu, as we said, maschil shoresh bechinosam benivdalim, the beginning of those things starts higher up in higher worlds. Lefiha mitsius hashayach bohem mitikun vikilkul, based on what's necessary to be misakein, the higher levels of reality, or chas v'shalom, to create disarray up there. Kamosha kasavti lamala. I'll explain that in a minute. Ukefi inyonam sham, nidonim benigzorim lehimatze lohis pashe, ad hagashmius boishim haruim lohem. And according to how things are in that, in that spiritual realm, nivdolim, then from there, God looks at that, he judges that, and he sends down to the physical world 
to ishim haruuyim lahem, the appropriate people who need to experience something in life so that the necessary tikkunim could be made up there. Ad din until when you have the sum total of all of these responsibilities distributed, yikansu kol all facets of reality are taken into consideration, and Hashem looks over all of them in His wisdom, and according to their true reality, Tigzor es hayoser nous vehagun, he decrees, decrees that which is best. Vizeborur kafiho ikorim shehigdamnu, and this is clear according to the fundamental principles we have learned earlier. So, this is on the one hand a very cryptic and esoteric paragraph that the Ramachal says here, and he's saying that it depends on lofty matters. So, we were alluding to that a few minutes ago, that has to do with the shorish ha-neshama of a person. What each person's neshama needs is based, uh, their life is based on that. But now the Ramchal, he, he gives out a, a broader and deeper look. So this is what he's saying. So we have to talk about a couple of concepts. So up there in higher worlds, what the Ramchal calls nivdalim, right? upper higher worlds, there's a certain reality up there. It's a spiritual reality. And what occurs up there is transferred down into our world and it takes physical form. So just Lamashal, Hashem wants a certain person to have a bracha, let's say parnasa. So in spiritual alamos, that bracha has a certain spiritual form, whatever that might be. And then it comes down the chain and it lands in the physical world in the form of Parnasa. That person gets a bracha in Parnasa. Another person needs a bracha, let's say, in Shalom. So it starts up there, whatever Shalom looks like up there in higher Olamos, it sends down to our world and there's Shalom down here. That's the path that things travel. Now there is a concept that the Ramchal mentions earlier in this Sefer of Tov and Ra in our world. That's what we experience as good and evil. Tov and Ra in higher worlds is of a different form. And the Ramchal's language for it is tikkun and kilkul. That's his language. So Tov and Ra up there equals tikkun and kilkul. Tikkun, a state of betterment, and kilkul, a state of disarray, chaos. That's what Tov and Ra is up there. So Hashem looks at reality, and as the Ramchal says in this paragraph, every single facet of reality, everything, and everything that has to occur in this world that people need to involve themselves in to rectify the world and the universe. So Hashem looks up there in the higher Olamos and He says, you know, a little tikkun is necessary over here, and a little tikkun is necessary over here. And another one over here, that's millions and millions of things that God is taking note of. He sends all of that down here, and it takes the form of situations in life. And each person, based on how Hashem sees their place in this overall tikkun, has that situation 
And if they do it correctly, the tikkun that's needed up there is accomplished. Because what we do down here goes up there to higher olamos as well. So this is occurring on two levels. We are misakain ourselves with what we do and the life that we lead, and we're also misakain those higher olamos by what we do and what we accomplish. We can also be mekalkel them. We can ruin them as well until we do tshuva. Both possibilities are, are available and open to us. Now one more thing I want to add to this. When the Ramchal calls that um, situation in higher worlds, tikkun and kilkel, he defines that. He says tikkun is when higher olamos are arranged in such a way that they allow for Hashem's light to shine on them and to be transferred down. So they're in a good way. Things are good. The higher forces that God created, they're aligned properly. And now Hashem's light shines upon them and it goes down. That's tikkun. Kilkul is when those higher forces are arranged in a way where they don't allow Hashem's light to rest on them. And therefore what comes down is darkness. So tov and ra down here equals tikkun and kilkul up there, which also equals light and darkness up there as well. Those are the different levels of what we're talking about. And here we are, right, this tiny little person in our world going about our lives, accomplishing things here in this world and also accomplishing things in higher olamas based on what we do down here. And we're all doing this at all times. Yeah, please, Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Um, how can there be a lack in, in Shemayim? Okay. Now, it doesn't mean a lack in Hashem. Because when we're talking about Shemayim and higher Olamas now, we're talking about created spiritual reality that God made. It's part of the universe. It's the spiritual dimension of the universe. We live in the physical dimension of the universe. There's no chesaron in God, ever, right? Because he's perfect. But in the world that he created, including spiritual reality, he left that world incomplete, intentionally. That's number one. So we would fix it, man. And not only did he leave it incomplete, but he gave man the choice to make it better or make it worse. So every, every time we do something good, we're making it better. When we do something bad, we're making it worse. Ultimately, it will all reach its perfection. Right? That's Hashem's guarantee. The Mashiach will come. That's going to happen. But in the meantime, just like physical, the physical world needs to be corrected and rectified, the spiritual worlds also need to be corrected and rectified because God made them incomplete, intentionally. I like to say that God made the world perfectly imperfect. That includes both physical and spiritual reality. So that's what we're talking about when we say that the tikkun and kilkul is happening up there because that's how God wanted it to be until people came along and fixed it up. That's also that very famous Gomorrah with one of the Romans who came to Rabbi Akiva and said, you know, to him, 
Uh, what's, what was this question? It just ran out of my mind. Thank you. Whose creations are better, God or man? So Rabbi Kiva answered him, man. And so the, the man said to Rabbi Kiva, how can you say that? That God, what God does is greater than man. So he said, look, and you see that what's better, you know, stalks of wheat, you know, or bread? So the man says, of course, bread. Rabbi Kiva says that we take that which God put in the world and we have to complete it. We take the stalks of wheat and we make it into bread. And then he said to him and Rabbi Kiva in his wisdom that I know where you were really heading is that you were going to ask me why we circumcised Jewish baby boys. Because if we're created perfect, then why do you have to do a bris milah? Because ideas were not created perfect. But Hashem intentionally creates us imperfect so we can make a tikkun on ourselves and in our own lives. So that's this idea, both physically and spiritually speaking. Gloria had a uh, hand up, please. Yeah. How so? Because it sounds like his plan is incomplete. Okay, but that's good. Right? Hashem's incomplete world, which he did intentionally, is a good thing. Because that's where people have a makom to elevate themselves and the world. That's the idea that we're not created malachim. We're not created in, in a perfect world and we're not created in perfection in ourselves. Hashem wants us to fix the world and ourselves through our own Bechira. Yeah, but when something terrible happens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you... you know, All right, so we don't understand those things. Right, like we say, it, right. Somehow, in the midst of this horrible tragedy, somehow there's good. That's true. We don't know what it is, and we're not going to know what it is until, you know, Achri Sayami. But there's good. Yeah. Everything Hashem does is for the good. That means even creating an imperfect world, and a world that needs tikkun, and a world that has darkness, that's also good. That's a lot different than saying an Avera is good, right? Because an Avera is not good. And very bad. We're acting against Ratzon Hashem. That has to be corrected. So Hashem doesn't do Averos. Hashem doesn't do Averos, but He created a dark and imperfect universe for the sake of a higher good. Please, yeah. Yeah, Esther, please. In the midst of this very weighty subject. Yes. <laughs> so be grateful. So what I'm, the, the marshal or how I'm applying that here is, if Hashem had not created an imperfect world, we wouldn't be here. That's exactly right. That, that is our place in the universe. And he, he made the world this way so we could be marvia, so we could gain our shlemus. The only way to gain it is through choice and, and completing and rectifying reality. Yeah. yeah, please, Mira. That yeah. includes like natural disasters, like what happened, I 
somehow everything is for the good. Yeah. Uh, we don't know how. You know, again, we're not, we're not privy to those kinds of things. I know a Rebison Fagy Tversky says that when her father uh, was being shipped out um, in, uh, before the Holocaust uh, on a wagon with, with other men, and it was Arab Shabbos, and uh, the sun was going down, and they're all being taken to some horrible labor camp. And uh, on the wagon, Hodu Lashem Ki Tov Ki Olam Chasto. That's what he was saying as he was being carted away. All right, so nobody can see that, but we believe it. That somehow, that's Hodu Lashem Ki Tov Ki Olam Chasto. Okay, I think we have time for one more short paragraph. What time do we got? Ten, ten. I'm over time? Okay, all right. So I'll just read the letter Gimel. It's short. And it kind of puts a little conclusion on this. Nimsa lefi hashorish hazeh. Therefore, according to this foundation, shehatzlochos sa'olam hazeh. All the successes of this world, the brachos of the world, v'tzorosav, and all of the difficulties and the pain of this world. Tihiyana l'sheyinuseh vam ha'adam. They are here to be a testing ground for man. In one aspect of the nisayon that we all have in life, both the good and the bad. That Hashem in His divine wisdom measured who is exactly fitting and just right for that person. So believe it or not, we all have the life that we're supposed to be leading. That's the long and short of it. <laughs> yeah. And we have to make the best of it, which is, which is a great opportunity. Have a great week, everybody. Asher Koa. Entering into pro- profound sections of the Rampa. Thank you, Gail. Thank you.